Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. Aaron, one of the things you and I agree quite strongly on is the value of testing in our software. And so I thought today, you know, we could kind of take a high level approach to the different types of testing that's available in Laravel and how we choose what sort of test to write in a given situation, kind of just overall strategies. Yeah, there are a lot of different types of tests. Yeah, and I thought to kind of narrow it down for our conversation, we could identify basically three types of tests. So at the at the one end of the spectrum, we have what I'll call unit tests. And just to be kind of clear on the definition of that in our case, we agree that a unit test is something that does not have any other dependencies in the system, like things like a database or things that will make an HTTP call and so on. You know, it, it's literally running a function and getting a result. Mm -hmm. Second type, these might be called different things, integration test, feature test, but it's it's a step up from there. You're still within the, the confines of your, your framework, but now you're, you're sort of executing more of the system. You're hitting the database. You're making a request that's coming into the framework and generating a response. You might be even interacting with things like caches or, or other things like that. So that's sort of the middle ground. Mm -hmm. The really, really full feature test, I guess, if you want to characterize it that way, would be something like Dusk, a, an end-to-end -end test that is literally driving a browser just like a user would drive a browser and interacting externally from your framework code and testing it that way. So mm -hmm. let, let me just ask you first, do you agree with my definitions? Are we, are we at the same page there? Any clarifications you want to throw out there? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I tend to make a little bit of a clarification between an integration and a feature test, um, but those are, you know, those are yeah. still uh, lumped together. I like to think of like an integration as something that integrates with one to many things. Mm -hmm. And maybe a feature is one result of user input and then what they'd expect for output. Okay. Um, and and I, I think that is slightly different than those end-to-end -end tests because right. um, you're, you're taking away, you know, one variable like a browser, whereas the end-to-end -end test with something like Dusk, you know, you're actually in, interacting with how the browser might send data as well too. So they're all, but okay. they're all just different levels, but yeah. I, I agree in general with, with most of what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And some of these definitions can be a little squishy, you know, depending on how your team does it, or if, even if you're coming from a different background, um, different mm -hmm. language, different test suite setup, um, th those things can vary th those terminologies. So let's, let's get to the, the heart of the matter then. So we have all these different available types of tests we can write. What, what would kind of lead you toward one writing one type of test versus another type of test? Do you have any any internal rules that guide that decision? Well, I remember when I was thinking about this the first time a while ago, I was uh, I was jumping between uh, front end programmers and watching what they're doing uh, back in devs, and what I noticed was uh, a lot of the PHP devs seem to really like you know uh, unit tests, and a lot of the JavaScript developers would say you're crazy if you're doing that you should be doing end to end tests okay um and i i like to draw i like to look for those patterns or understand a deeper reason why someone's saying something and i think what it started to come from is i saw that uh, you know in general and this is you know a generalization that some of those feelings and opinions were based off of how they were 
programming or what they are programming in or on or around. Okay. Um, that that is to say, uh, a lot of the backend developers were working with data and mm-hmm. business decisions and data structures and processes. Uh, and so, an idea like a unit test where we took the smallest amount of a decision and tested that decision through all of its permutations uh, was particularly useful and exciting. Uh, and the front end developers at the time were were working a lot with the browser. Um, and uh, they didn't really care what was happening in the workflow. They cared what the user would experience. Um, and so they would want to use an end-to-end type of um, tool or at least a front-end sort of exercising the browser uh, and then receiving responses from maybe mocked endpoints or something mm-hmm. uh, because they were programming in something where that whole area was the most important part. Um, and, and so after like listening to that, I realized that you know they're both right and neither is right. Just like most things <laughs> sure. in programming, right? Yeah. And I tend to now uh, take that uh, that mentality and apply that to what's, uh, what what particular part of the process am I working on? So I can I can give a couple of solid examples. Okay. Uh, if I'm if I'm working on something which is um, maybe uh, like data driven or decision or workflow, I'm probably going to reach more for unit tests. Um, and, and execute those workflow engines. Or um, if I'm writing reports, for example, I'm going to spend a lot more time in with the data and to the smallest, the smallest um, area I can sort of unitize um, um, to, to, um, to get the, the, the different permutations of what my report will be. Because when you're working on a report, there's no difference in how the user is sending it in. They're going to just send in, you know, some criteria. There's nothing that exciting about that. There's <laughs> nothing unique about that. They're going to fill in some forms and expect some magic to happen uh, in a data realm, and then they'll get some responses. So we want yeah. to focus on what's most important part there, which is that area. Uh, on the flip side, if I'm going to work with um, uh, something more complicated, like uh, maybe merging OAuth profiles or, um, mm. you know, setting up a user experience where you sign up, verify your email and make sure that you're logged in and maybe you can do a couple other things at the same time. I'm going to look for more of an end to end because that that user experience is the most important part. How does someone flow through this? The, the things they're doing, although it sounds a little complicated, like merging profiles, not really that hard. You, you either do it or you don't. Um, but how the different ways that they can they can find themselves in that area is the area where I want to test. Um, and so I might focus more on the end-to-end. So to answer your question with a simple uh, response, depends. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and so the, um, the scenarios you shared were kind of more focused on like what the thing is being tested, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, is it lend itself more to a unit test? Or does it lend itself more to an end-to-end test? Yeah, I, I was also thinking too as you were talking. Some of it is kind of dependent on the project and the code base, right? If 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 we come into a project and there's zero tests and it's kind of thorny code, it may not even be practical <laughs> to start with unit tests. Right. Um, certainly, to build up confidence, like those end-to-end tests can get you there quicker than trying to tease apart you know, a 4,000 line controller function <laughs> to try to unit test some of that. Um, so w- would you agree with that? I mean, like, yeah, the, the I, I think that's a, project? that's a good point. Uh, a lot of times when we take on um, legacy projects, mm-hmm. 
people ask, how do you, how do you write unit tests for something that was clearly not architected to be tested? Uh, and the, the answer is you write an end to end test around it. Uh, and then you know how this, this functionality will work. And as you start to replace those pieces of just spaghetti monstrosity code with more, you know, um, services and, you know, small units, models, controllers, all that kind of stuff, the user experience and all of the things that they do should always be the same. Mm-hmm. So those tests are basically your stopgap then to say, I, I've made a bunch of changes and nothing has changed, which of course, as programmers, we love to try to sell, right? right. I worked for, for, for five weeks and you, as you see, nothing has changed. So I was right. successful. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, that's that's a main reason why you might use that end to end testing as well. And then you kind of start getting in as you re- rewrite certain little bits um, to write tests around that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, I also try to weigh in because we want to give good advice, but we also want to talk about real world stuff sure. is is the length of time a particular test might take. Uh, comparison to the, its setup. So um, it's it's great to set up a complex scenario through the browser and fill in a bunch of um, form fields or, you know, target them with dusk and say, you know, this 25 um, field form is filled in and then we submit it and we go to the second and third page and those all get gathered together for an end result where it sends off an AJAX request. But when you want to test that, that through multiple different um, uh, permutations, it might be good enough to test a few permutations of the front end and then move to more of a more integration or unit test level and just say, well, I know that the front end works because a couple of my tests passing in data mm-hmm. show that the data comes in predictably. Yep. Now I'm going to run uh, something in a much more faster way without the browser to run through all the rest of the permutations. So uh, obviously a silly example, but if I was looking at the state drop down. Um, I might, you know, I could choose Alaska and then Alabama um, and make sure those two submit fine, but I'm not going to go through all 50 states. I might go through, you know, the, the 48 remaining with a unit test or something like that, which of course yeah. is a contrived, contrived example. But <laughs> Well, and, and you mentioned speed. It's not just the speed of writing the test, but also the speed of running it. The, the end-to-end tests typically are slower to run because they are driving a browser and, and nobody likes if your test suite starts taking 10, 15, 20 minutes, it just gets, it gets a little ugly. So that's, that's part of the calculus as well. Mm-hmm. I think the, the most important part though, is that you try to decide to write some tests. Sure. Um, you know, because these are ways to kind of validate the work that you're doing to make sure it's still um, doing everything it's, you should, you would expect it to. Um, it allows you to change things faster in those programs where we want to go faster. Um, and I will acknowledge that it does take a little bit of time to write some tests, especially when you're learning about testing. Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, what test do I write? And how do I know it's a, a useful test? And then how many is the right amount of permutations and, you know, yeah. all these different things. Yeah. Uh, but just like every other skill, that's great once you know how to do it. Uh, it's important then that you do this too. If you were to uh, talk to my family or close friends, you would learn that, you know, I'm no stranger to offering up a pun. I I like, I guess what you could call maybe dad humor, dad jokes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really, I really enjoy sharing a pun that gets a groan out of somebody. I don't know why. Maybe I'm a bad person, but it just, I, I find it enjoyable. 
However, I, I noticed some place where I really don't like puns at all. And that's like the, the nightly news. For some reason, <laughs> there's always like one story where the, you know, the very professional newscaster makes like a totally unnecessary pun. And I just like, come on, wh- why are you doing that? So the, the other night they had a story on the, on the na- night, nightly national news about a shortage of chicken wings and the paltry selection that was going to be available to restaurants. And I'm just, it just made me mad. And, and then I thought, but I like puns. So why does this make me mad? Aaron, I need your advice. Why is that that bothers me so much? And do you, do you relate to that at all? Well, first of all, <laughs> what is the nightly news? The nightly, well, you know, like the five <laughs> o'clock or six o'clock news. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I, <laughs> okay. I don't run into many people who uh, watch the news. Mm. Um, did you sit on your Davenport? And uh, open up your ice box. <laughs> what? And, I don't know. I'm trying to think of old things. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess the, the the puns are because they're like really not funny, though. Oh, like, they're not. They're like because a good pun is something that kind of came to you, whereas you know that there was like some people writing this. Uh, like first of all, there was a guy who wrote this or a woman who wrote this, right? Mm-hmm. Second of all, the news uh, anchor then saw it and then might have even practiced it. Okay. Uh, and, and then they used their voice to say it, you know, and that is why he turned on the light. You're like, ah. Oh. That's you know, true. That I a, don't like that, news person that, voice. And that joke was approved and reviewed <laughs> and HR had to look at it like it was okay. like. It's like, ah, uh, you know, the amount of money you spent on this pun, which is not a neat, that wasn't even that funny. It's yeah. just, just tell me the news. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you hit on some things there that hadn't occurred to me before because that, that kind of artificial cadence that a newscaster has mixed with like trying to be funny with a pun. I think that combination rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. The forced nature of it, you know, all the planning that, that went into it. And the other thing I thought of is like, Generally, the stuff right before and after that lighthearted news story is pretty <laughs> depressing. It's like it just kind of always seems a little inappropriate right. to be trying to be funny. But yeah, that that was that was my observation. It just like makes me so mad, and I don't know why. Need a little help getting your test suite in order and efficient? Then head over to our website at nocompromises.io and request a free consultation. 